What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the UGA Sports Call-In Show. This one's the draft edition. I'm your host, Paul Meharry, joined by Ben Bachman and Dane Young, both of UGASports.com. And uh, guys, pretty good weekend for the dogs in terms of drafted players. Uh, never happened before, so no team has ever gotten 15 players drafted. We will discuss each and every one of them, their fits, and how they will fit in with their future NFL teams. If you're coming on and wondering, hey, why isn't Paul's ugly face looking back at us? Uh, I had emergency back surgery on Monday night. So a uh, little You've been carrying the show for so long, Paul. It finally got to you. I, it, finally, uh, it finally hit me, man. It the bad takes me. got to your back. There yeah, they, they got me. So, um, But uh, broadcasting, but not able to uh, really sit up or do anything. So uh, doing a little different this time, but if you're watching us uh, on YouTube or Facebook, we'll still take your questions. You can still call into the show, uh, as well as um, I'm proud of you, Paul. You're playing hurt, man. This is—I yeah, don't know man. if it's Jordan flu game, but like it's—it's it's, uh, it's close to it. It's close to it. It's uh, a, six, a lesser man would have just bailed, I think. Six, uh, six, six days post-op, and uh, we're doing a show. So I, you know, Roddy cut the check, man. But anyways, guys, uh, <laughs> the draft started off uh, with Trayvon Walker going one dot one which means first player overall. And uh, there's a lot of hype about Trayvon, you know, going into this draft. And frankly, you know, there's, you could look at it kind of one of two ways. Did Georgia utilize him enough? Or was he on a defense that he didn't need to be utilized enough? And the NFL really was enamored with his uh, combine, his athleticism, his freak ability. Because when you turn on the tape, it doesn't stick out like a huge, you know, surefire number one pick. You turn on the measurables, though, and it, it is a surefire first uh, overall pick. And he did go indeed go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, guys. So uh, let's open it up with Trayvon and just kind of talk about you know the situation he's walking into. Ben, I'll go with you first. Well, Paul, I think you can't really – I understand where some people think he should have had more production, but I think there, that's a product of a lot of things. One, the defense was so dominant, so he didn't have as many plays. They were blowing teams out as well. And also the nature of his position and what he was asked to do because Georgia – I say this, I don't know what Brent says when he's on with, with you, Dane, but it's really gap sound defense to me. That's why they, you can't run on them because they're very big on like gap integrity. And that's something that's big for Kirby. That's why he doesn't unleash his guys and get as aggressive because he doesn't want to get run on. So I, I understand that. So with Trayvon, they won a title and he went first. So I don't think you can complain at all. Like the, you, you simply can't because they got the title and he went first overall. There's no place for him to go higher. So I don't think that's a problem. I think at the next level, because this is something nobody's talked about, he was an inside linebacker his senior year of high school because his coach wanted to play him where he can get to the football because teams are running away from him. So he played inside backer his last year to a high school, and he didn't play his really natural position off the edge in college because Georgia had two outside linebackers and then one of the best five guys on the field. So – Really, this is going to be interesting because you were just touching up before we came on about there isn't that many elite guys in this year's draft. So just take the guy with the highest ceiling. So I think that's one of the big reasons why he went number one. Really, I think that's great for the university that they can and Kirby to say, I have the number one pick in the draft. I think with any of the draft stuff, you tend to go to the extremes on the takes. I mean, it's a big TV show. It's a big party. Like it just kind of happens that way. Right. Uh, and so. I think this is one of those where it can be nuanced and be like a bit of both. Like people that are saying that Trayvon Walker didn't have the production they should have had. What you're saying is he didn't have the stats that you think typically come at that position because right. he was super productive at Georgia and he could do so many different things. And that's why he was so versatile. That is true. What is also true is that in the pre-draft process, I think most mocks had Trayvon Walker latter half of the top 10 getting into 15 and 20. Uh, and then beyond that, when he got to do his workouts and see people at pro day and go to the combine, that's when he shot at the board. So what that's the NFL telling you is, hey, we saw his tape and he was good. We saw him in person and he was great. And so I, I do think that Georgia probably, if he is that special of a talent, if he's a Miles Garrett, if he is uh, kind of a Chase Young type dude, then like Georgia should have probably changed its scheme a bit to help him be a force. That said, it was one of the best defenses ever, so can you really blame anyone for not doing that? Uh, I think it's a bit of both, uh, and, and you know whatever your take is, you could probably be right if you work hard enough. And uh, Jason Butt joining us here. Thanks so much, Jason. Hey, nice to see you. I know. I know. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> <laughs> better late than never. Why not? Hey, uh, Dane, 
You can stay. You can go whenever you want, man. We appreciate you jumping on. If you got to go deal with kids, if you want to keep talking draft with us, no worries, man. I do not hate you for either one. <clears throat> I'll, uh, give you like got- ten, I'll give you like 10 minutes because I'm already set up and I had the take ready to fire. Uh, I and I was, Paul, I was, they told me last week that you had some trash takes and that I cleaned it up a bit. Um, really, guys? Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. That's they said true. you no eat one, dinner at like you 9 30. justify why Georgia should not take Arch Manning. You tried to justify it from the same <laughs> perspective. How does that make any sense? I mean, I, I rationalized through it through the <laughs> Okay, look, you know what? Yeah, okay. We're going to talk about the draft, okay? If you can see my face right now, <laughs> you're already off top. You know what? G- give me a month and I'm going to be with Ben and Jason and bullying you, but like you're coming off back surgery. So I got your back, Paul. Like, let's go. <laughs> oh, what, yeah. what do you need? You need me to come with a uh, Arch Manning take here? Uh, <laughs> no, nice. uh, Jason, uh, we talked about Trayvon Walker going first overall. Yeah. Uh, you know, that started off the day for, for Georgia. And then, I mean, it was pretty much a Georgia commercial Thursday night, prime time. Uh, I watched the NFL Network. I don't know about you guys. I, I couldn't really stand ESPN, and I finally made the jump over to NFL Network this past year, and uh, it, it worked out all right for me. You know, Rich Eisen really is – I really like Rich. DJ, Daniel Jeremiah, we've had him on the UGA Sports. So I, I want to say I was an NFL Network guy uh, this time, not getting off topic, but if either one of them, both of them were huge uh, commercials for Georgia in the sense that they had five players drafted. The next one to go off the board, Jordan Davis at pick 13. Ben, I know that hurts your soul because the Ravens were going to grab him at 14. I know they were. Mm-hmm. I know they were. But uh, him ending up in with with uh, N'Kobe Dean, who we'll get to a little later, which was absolutely wild. Uh, Jordan Davis going next for Georgia, then Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt back-to-back pretty much to the Green Bay Packers. Which one of those three guys surprised you the most where they went? You guys can all jump in on that. Well, N'Kobe Dean, I think, going that. Well, we're not we're not even going to N'Kobe. I'm just talking oh, about the first guys. round guys. The first round, yeah. I don't think anybody surprised me in the first round. Um, Quay think, Walker going – Quay Walker I think, going I think Lewis seen going as high as he did surprised me. Um, okay, because I, I was ex- I was expecting Lewis to be kind of like high to mid-second round. Um, but, I mean, I think he sounds enough to be a first-round guy. But you know, it's- so Louis seen he was he was trending in that direction. Uh, yeah. I, I I didn't expect Quay Walker or Louis seen to go in the first round, but those two going in, um, getting selected, don't necessarily surprise me. I think Quay Walker is totally one of those potential grabs where you look at kind of like the way Trayvon Walker ended up as the first overall pick. Uh, Quay Walker is that that kind of a, a athletic specimen that that you he he. he kind of fits the NFL mold for, for what you want. Um, I, I guess if, if, if you have to take one in that category, he would be it just because of, of all those guys, he was the, the, the sixth guy of the, you know, of that group. And of course he ends up in the first round and not Nicobe Dean. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, we, we can obviously talk about him. I, if I missed that already, I probably did, but no, um, no, we haven't, we haven't touched on Dean yet. <clears throat> okay. We're kind of, I guess go through these chronologically if we could, Um, you know, and we can, we kind of jump right. There's 15 guys we have to talk about here. And there's so many different storylines that kind of encompass each one of them. Uh, Lewis going to the Vikings, which I think he's going to fit in great up there. Then you go down to the second round, George Pickens going to the Steelers, which he's going to have Mike Tomlin, who is no nonsense. Look at Ben shaking his head, man. You got to cover (laughs) that two times. Yeah, you I feel bad for Pickens, man. He's got some trash quarterback situation there. Like he, he does, he does, but he's got a really good head coach that I think that's what Pickens needs. They're good at drafting receivers. They're they're good with receivers, though. So but the problem is the quarterback situation up there is a little uh, with Kenny Pickett. It, that was wild um, because it showed that nobody wanted a quarterback. You could have got Pickett probably in the second. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, James Cook going to the Bills in the second that's round. That's the best fit in the draft of all the Georgia players by far. If you're a, if you're a fantasy guy, that I mean, put him on your radar now. He's going to if score. you're in a PPR league, like I would pick him high. He's he's going to be their top running back. I mean, I, having being a fantasy guy myself, uh, the the Bills running back situation is is pretty stupid, and that that's an amazing pick for them, especially with the fact that Josh Allen throws the ball as much as he does. Um, it's 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 absolutely perfect for James Cook. I think you could argue both Georgia running backs went to the perfect situation for their skill yes. sets. Yes. 
Zemir might be a starter by next year because they're running back. They're not bringing him back because of his option. And Zemir White's going to get a lot of touches this year. He's like the number two back. So he's in a good spot too. James Cook going in the second round kind of reminds me of Mecole going in the second round though. Uh, Both guys we knew had potential when they were at Georgia. James had a little bit more, I want to say, production than Mecole did during Mecole's time at Georgia. But both of them going in the second round to me was like, whoa, that's a little high. But at the same time, I can see it. It's more so, no, he didn't go in the second round. I'm not trying to make this comparison yet, but it's a little bit of chasing Alvin Kamara. You know, it's that kind of player at the really? next level. Yeah, a guy, who, a guy how he's used. Yeah, how he's used, um, how he fits at the NFL. I think, you know, James Cook, based on how Georgia ran the running back rotation, you know, he's a guy who can who can run the ball. He just was they used Amir for those early downs, and James Cook was kind of the third down, uh, you know, receiving back who also did carry the ball a good bit. He was great when he did. Um, he he fits that sort of role. You know, Alvin Kamara gets a lot of a lot of passes. He can run routes as a receiver. Uh, that's that's really what I see Buffalo doing with James Cook. Is he big enough? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- yeah. I mean, yes, he, he he could stay in the game maybe ten to fifteen pounds. I think if he's if they are if they do want to use him as a twenty five touch a game kind of guy. Oh, Dane, I do want to bring this up because Ben was telling me this <clears throat> before the show. He said I play devil's advocate a lot. Was that is that do you do you say that? I mean, they said that you cook frozen pizza at like ten p.m. and call it like that's a normal <laughs> time to eat. Wow, is that a devil's advocate thing? Wow, you know you know what. <laughs> Sunday night, guys. Sunday night, I had to be rushed to the emergency room. Didn't even listen to you guys. And, and I'm getting just trashed. Oh, you need to listen to your own show that you are the host. I'm getting trashed at the same the time. Look, well, look Paul, you, it, it wasn't as much you being trashed. But I will say after the show, it was said, hey, that one had good flow. Wow. <laughs> you make wow. it sound so harsh, Dave. Wow. Man. All right. Well, I guess moving forward. Uh, just like N'Kobe Dean, this show's slipping away. Uh, N'Kobe Dean <laughs> slipped into the third round, uh, pick 19 to the Eagles. I think all of us, and we don't know what Ben's uh, Twitter handle is because he's probably some troll that we have no idea. He's been trolling. <laughs> That's probably what it is. He hasn't given us his Twitter handle because he's probably trolled all of us for I years. I have a Paul Burner account. Yeah, he, he's probably trolled all of us for years. And uh, he doesn't want to give it away because we can go to his past tweets. But uh, I know myself, <laughs> Jason, and Dane were, were tooting the horn of Nicobe Dean here. And it just so happens that it comes out, I guess, the day of the draft, the first, I guess, Thursday night, Friday morning, somewhere around there, that Nicobe Dean has this pec muscle that has been ripped off of his body, has been filleted by a barbarian, and he will never recover. Uh, and so stay away from him. I looked into it. The more I thought about it, I was like, I wonder if there's a team and I started looking, I wonder if there's a team that hasn't drafted yet that maybe set, sent this rumor out. The Los Angeles Rams didn't draft until pick 104. Maybe they sent out this rumor and they were like, Hey, let's see if teams will bite on this guys. Let's say that this pec muscle definitely needs to be worked on. And let's just start playing a big game of telephone with everybody. Then I was <laughs> like, no, the NFL GMs can't be this stupid. And then we see him fall to the freaking what was it, 83rd pick? Like, are you serious right now? Am I what are we missing, guys? We covered him for four years. What's going on? That's actually a perfect spot for him, even when he fell, because he's gonna start there. Their linebackers are bad and they they needed all new linebackers, and he's basically gonna start right away. Um, it's not good for his money, but it's the right team where he can start and play. And I've kind of said this is non, I guess, Georgia related, but I think now with Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, the Eagles could win the NFC East with how things are trending uh, for Dallas and how things are trending for Philadelphia because of how good Nicobe and Jordan are and because of Dallas is losing people. So I think Nicobe slipped. I think in the second round, I think the biggest issue with Nicobe actually is the position is devalued in the NFL now. You don't see, I remember growing up where the middle linebacker position was everything. Not because I grew up here and it was Ray Lewis, but I remember Brian Urlacher and I remember the guys decades before you wanted the middle linebacker. Nowadays, the NFL inside linebackers aren't valued as much. And if they are, you have to have really good measurables. That's why Quay Walker went first, because he's 6'4", 240, running a 4'5 flat at inside linebacker who can cover. You're going to take that guy even if he's not as productive. That's what the NFL is telling you now. Um, But N'Kobe, that slide was not justified, in my opinion. It just wasn't. No. Doesn't Maybe. that feel short-sighted with the NFL, though? Because I look at, like, the Buccaneers, when they drafted Devin White, like, that's one reason they won the Super Bowl was that guy. 
Like, I know Tom Brady in that offense was great, but, like, if you get that position right and it's good for a decade, I mean, it's you're in contention every year. And I think it's one of those things where NFL front offices, are they're notorious for overthinking certain situations. And you sit there and you're, they're analyzing every player and they're trying to find flaws in guys. And you look at N'Kobe Dean and he's five foot 11. That's really it. He plays like, like crazy. But when you look at the NFL prototype linebacker, you know, for, for whatever reason, six, one is the minimum. I mean, if, if N'Kobe Dean was six, one or six, two, I don't think that teams find a pectoral injury or whatever the case may be to make an excuse over. I think really it has to do more with his measurables and the fact he was unavailable for the combine than, um, than, it had to do with the pectoral injury, especially since he said he's going to be available uh, for minicamp from, from what it sounds like. So, uh, you know, I think it's easier for teams to, to leak out that there's a pectoral injury at play as opposed to he's five foot 11. And then he turns out to be a great player down the road. Um, you know, which, which one is a little easier to, to put out there. Uh, that, 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 that's my best read on the situation. I mean, it's like we were saying, too, though, that like with Trayvon Walker, he shot up the draft boards because of his combine performance and his pro days. When Kobe Dean didn't have that, some of these people, these GMs, these scouts, they're like, I got to see it in person, even despite what the tape says. And so I, I don't know. It seems like there's an imbalance of what matters of, of what you did on tape versus what you do in your underwear uh, <laughs> on the practice field. Like, I, I, it seems like some people kind of have that relationship really imbalanced, in my opinion. And if you watch N'Kobe Dean, I think you could argue that he was George's best defender for three years, which yeah. on that team, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and it reminds me of last year. Uh, it happened, same thing in the draft. Jeremiah Owusu koromoa or JOK, joke, whatever, uh, from Notre Dame, won the Buckus Award, and he fell into the second round to Cleveland, and all he did at Cleveland was, you know, ball out. So – you know, it, it's one of those things, like Jason said, I think that uh, teams are very eager to jump on something and overlook something or, or overanalyze something. Nakobe was one of those in this draft. I think he was the guy uh, that was the most overanalyzed in this draft. And then, you, like most of you guys said, uh, Howie Roseman, after drafting Nakobe, said, yeah, he's not having surgery. He's going to be out there for rookie minicamp. Nothing's wrong with the kid. We're, we're going to run. And so just it was almost like a slap in the face. And he's and he also said that he was thinking about taking them. At, I think they had pick 51 in the second round, but they didn't, which, again, you know, it's it's one of those things where Nicobe can run with it. All 32 teams, you know, passed up on him. Uh, but whatever. Uh, Channing Tindall, next pick. He was also the third round selection. So if you're keeping track at home, that was seven defenders in the third first three rounds. That's the most ever. Uh, five defenders in the first round from one school is the most ever. 15 total in a draft was the most ever. But Channing uh, Tindall rounds out the seventh defender picked by the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I think he could be a starter down there. So we've got up to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nine guys, nine guys yeah. that we've already got to all could be starters. Uh, the first nine picks for Georgia. That's pretty insane. Yeah, your first three rounds, or you're looking at starters in those rounds when you're an NFL team. Channing Tindall, uh, yeah, he, he's <laughs> put him right up there uh, at somebody, especially how he came on late in the year. I think. Oh yeah. You know, he had to wait. He had to wait his turn. So there's not as much tape, you know, over the course of his career at Georgia, but um, just on, uh, you know, the the anti Nickobe Dean for that matter in terms of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms in terms of. Uh, you know, athleticism, which I mean, I, I, I don't even know why I said that because literally it's, it's just because it's just the Dean's 5'11". Right. Um, right. But, other, other, but he's, he's obviously athletic as hell. So, um, uh, but Channing Tindall's a guy who I think could fit in there and, and make some plays. This is speed at the position. Uh, that's what you need in the NFL these days. So I think Miami got a great player. Um, After well, that was their first pick, by the way, Miami, because they right. traded their first two. And also the Rams so- – Technically, Paul, not to be beating up on our guys on IR over there, um, but yeah, the Rams and Dolphins technically did not pass on Nakobe. But yeah, um, I, I, I Jenny, figured that out once I let it out my mouth. But I was going to see if one of you guys caught it. So good, good call. Yeah. Well, so Channing basically he's going to start because I think their linebackers is a weakness, and he was their first pick. So you know that's three starting inside linebackers for Glenn Schumann. I think I saw a stat the other day where it was like. Every single inside linebacker who started for him has 
been in the NFL. Um, I think Natrez Patrick was the only one that didn't get drafted, but all the other ones did, including Tay Crowder, who I think only started like one year and was a two-star running back coming out. And he was the leading tackler for the Giants. So that is impressive. And if people want to know why he recruits so well, well, I think his development speaks for it. Fun fact about, well, one thing I learned in the broadcast, so no Mr. Irrelevant has ever made the Pro Bowl. And I'm not saying Tay Crowder is ever going to be that. I mean, he, he has exceeded expectations for, right. for uh, anybody, everybody, I think. I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know. Maybe Tay Crowder's got something going, um, especially if he's going to start keep leading the, leading the Giants in tackles. Not bad for a two-star running back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, by the way, funny connection there. Tay Crowder was coached by the late Tommy Parks at Harris County, who also coached Trayvon Walker at Upson Lee. Uh, wow. So th- there's some wow. ties for you there. Uh, with Channing Tindall, here's a – Paul, you were talking about the broadcast on, on ESPN. It struck yeah. me that, like, you know, these analysts that don't do a lot of Georgia games – uh, that they get the little highlight package, and they're like, oh, man, like, why is Channing Tindall, like, th- this is a little late. He's so fast. He's so explosive. I'm like, yeah, if you watch his best 10 plays, you think he's the best inside linebacker in the history of the game. What you yeah. didn't see is, like, <laughs> yeah. when he takes yeah. the wrong step half the time, and, like, that's the reason he had to recover anyway. Um, right. And so well, the like, reason it took him a while to get on the field. Right. Yeah. I mean, you have to ask the question of, like, hey, you were at Georgia – for like three years before you really played on defense a lot. Like you rotated a little and you were on special teams a ton. Uh, he's going to need some coaching with the Dolphins, but the athleticism is off the chart. Look, there will be no uh, Shannon Tindall shaming here on this uh, broadcast. That was my guy from the moment he stepped on campus. I'm glad he got drafted because that was the guy. That I, like Dane said, you turn on the highlight tape, you turn his high school tape. Dear God, his first 10 plays, you're just like, this kid's going to be an animal. And then we saw why he didn't make it on the field for Georgia so fast because that play that play that will haunt him forever and make Nicobe look like a star where Nicobe jumped out on Cameron Leitu on that tight end uh, drop pass basically there deflection and yelled at him and then Tyndall made up for it with the sack after yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say Tyndall made up for it like he it was, did he did yeah, from go uh, to hero Q flow I'm gonna get to your questions I promise I want to round out the rest of this draft and I will get to the questions um after Tyndall, we had Zamir go to the Raiders. We kind of touched on him. I think that's an interesting fit. We'll see how he kind of plays out out there. And then this is where things got a little weird, guys, um, because had you had money on Jake Kamara getting drafted in the fourth round and not Jamari Salyer. New punt he, god. That San yeah, Diego State guy's gone. We have a new punt god, y'all. And he and Kamara went to the Bucks. Kamara went to the Bucks. So uh, actually, Falcon, guy got drafted. My Ravens picked a punter before Kamara and the punt god from Arizona State. So this, yeah, I, I saw that. It, it, it's it, a it nice little run. Yeah, yeah, a little punter run there late in the. I floor. wanted to see a trade up for long snappers. I just wanted to see a scam <laughs> of like seventh round pick trades for long snappers. Well, it was weird how this draft worked out because we saw uh, the Falcons take Drake London, and there was a run on wide receivers. And then I thought the same with the punters. I was like, "Holy cow, we got to run on punters in the fourth round!" What, you know, it's, it's almost like the the Penn it was the uh, the Penn State kid, right? Was, yeah, was, yeah. He was I can't think of his name, but he was the first punter. And then it was yeah, just seemed like okay. <laughs> the teams that needed a punter had to jump in right there. It's I've like never, seen that. Kicker. I've never yeah, it's seen like that, that early before. I'd I'd, no. I'd be interested to go back and see the last time three because it was what two did, did the third one go in the fifth round or did he also go in the fourth? Well, if you count kickers, there were three in the fourth. Right. Yeah. It was like one kicker and two. And then there's another one in like probably the fifth. I think the Bills got the Arizona State. Yeah. The Bills got the punt guy. Yeah. I feel bad for San Diego, for for him, though. Like he's going from San Diego to Buffalo. Like, yeah, but he could win a ring pretty You do not want to punt in the Buffalo wind up there when it's cold in a playoff game. You do not want to punt in that. Yeah. Would you rather have a ring or live in San Diego? I'm just saying. Uh, I'd probably take the ring and then go. Yeah, and then move to San Diego. Then, yeah. One year and then demand a trade to the to the Chargers <laughs> and go to L.A. And then after Camarda, guys, the Falcons broke the uh, the curse. And there was two <laughs> offensive linemen left. And the Falcons took Justin Schaefer. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can hear know. it in your voice, Paul. It's not yeah, just your back. It's your mind. Yeah, it, it, it was a little shocking, guys. Um, so you had Justin Schaefer go uh, round six, pick 11. Then you had Jamari Sawyer go round six, pick 16 to the Chargers. But the Falcons finally broke the streak with Schaefer. And then obviously 
later on the round six, they broke the streak again with went back to back with John Fitzpatrick and sprinkled right before Fitz was uh, Darian Kendrick to the uh, Los Angeles Rams, which rounds out the 15 total. The Falcons, Fitzpatrick and Schaefer, probably the two guys that Georgia fans would have been okay to not see on the Falcons and would have seen anybody <laughs> else besides those two. Uh, but they are yeah. now Falcons. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, look, I like Justin Schaefer, but I don't. I I don't know how he went ahead of Solier for calling it how it is. Uh, yeah, I think it's the it. medical. I, I we heard so yeah. much about Nicobe Dean's medical. Yeah. I think there's some stuff that scared teams away from from Jamar. Had to, had to have been. I mean, but you yeah. talk about you talk about Solier being a guard first, but then having the versatility to play the other positions, and Schaefer went ahead of him. And I, don't get me wrong, I like Schaefer, and I understand. I've, I've heard you know, like I had a friend text me and said. Wow, I can't believe the foul of all the Georgia players of draft. You know, those are the two, basically what you just said, Paul. And, uh, and I was just like, well, look, man, be happy for him. But, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. I'm totally happy to watch him on Sundays. Yeah. It's just interesting that that Salyer was there and, you know, covering Georgia for so long and seeing yeah. both of their roads. To it, me, yeah, you're drafting a guard and you don't and you don't draft Sawyer at that spot. It that, that's it's kind of like when they drafted the and I understand the Montana State linebacker is a freak and they drafted him instead of Nicobe Dean and yeah, he is. like we're, like I don't know again probably a lot of the overvaluation getting hyped up on athleticism in that situation and then probably maybe being scared and maybe with Nicobe too being scared of whatever medical information they had uh it, it was just it's just weird. I mean, I think anybody that's watched Georgia knows that Salier was the best offensive lineman. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to versatility and being able to do everything well, that it just didn't make much sense for for uh, him to be the second one taken in that situation. Yeah, I, I Salier's drop. Like I thought, there was a strong chance he was going to fall to day three. I did not think the sixth round. Now at guard. Well, it had to be – I agree with Dane. It had to be the medical because he missed three games and it was on an ankle. And I think his ankle uh, – one of you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was throughout the season. Like I think earlier in the year he he banged up his ankle and then he re-injured it again and had to miss several games. I remember in the Auburn game it got rolled up on. He came back. Then he had to miss the Tennessee game. He missed the Tech game. So he missed some. So it that definitely a bad leg. And he's also a bit undersized. So when you have an undersized guy with those injuries, I think that's part of the reason. But when you look at production, I know O-line, they don't have a box sheet, but he didn't, he only allowed one sack in two years as a starting left tackle at Georgia. Like that's pretty impressive considering who he faced. And he dominated Aiden Hutchinson. Like I went back and I actually watched tape of that game. And Hutchinson was one of the worst guys of the D linemen and edge rushers on mission. He was one of the worst ones. Their interior guys looked better than him in that game. So like, that's really impressive for Sawyer. But I think he actually went to a spot where I watched the Chargers last year and their O-line was bad. Like Herbert, that last game of the season was getting beat up. Like Sawyer could probably compete down there in L.A. Because they only took five guys and their O-line is terrible. So he could probably compete and start there. So he actually, him and Nicobe Dean fell, but they fell to good teams where they can compete to start. I think Nicobe will. And I think Jamari will at least be a second string guy who will at least compete to start. So they still ended up in good situations for them. So I think in the end, it ended up okay. Here's the question, guys. I've been wanting to ask now that we've wrapped up the 15. Which UGA – this is from QFlow81. We appreciate it, QFlow. He says, which UGA player do you believe was drafted to the uh, was drafted to the best fit? For me, it's Jordan Davis paired with Fletcher Cox. He will have a chance to eat. QFlow, that is a great pick. I will go around the horn, though. Dane, we'll start with you up in the top right, Brady Bunch style. Who is your uh, best fit? I mean, I, I I think James Cook's the popular pick uh, for that question, but ah, okay. uh, I'm, I'm going to just zag on that. I'm, I'm actually going to go Trayvon Walker just because, like, I think that defense can literally be built around him. And then, um, you know, they have two good edge rushers now. So yeah, I, I think that's a solid fit of where he could have gone in the top 10 um, other than, like, falling a good bit and going to a team that just had more overall talent. Like, I, Trayvon can be a superstar. Uh, if he stays healthy, he, he's that caliber there, and uh, Jacksonville needs him. So I'm gonna go with that. It, it's I don't know. I don't know if that's good logic, but that's what I'm, what I'm going with. About you, Choppy? Well, I think um, yeah, James Cook's also an easy pick because I think he can put up big numbers. But I'm gonna go with Devontae Wyatt actually because Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary being next Ooh, to them, and I think pick. that's a good pick. 
I think that could be a very interesting one and will ultimately help out their linebackers that are there, which is a Georgia one. So I think Devontae Wyatt will, would be a really good one with uh, Green Bay. I kind of already said James Cook earlier. Yeah, you <laughs> with, did. With the whole yeah. PPR, uh, you know, whole fantasy uh, uh, talk there. So I will go with another one as well, and I'm going to go with uh, George Pickens. I think uh, I think right when I hopped on late, it was alluded to how Pittsburgh uses their receivers really well. The quarterback situation dicey. However, um, when Big Ben was there, I mean, you had you usually had three guys all involved uh you like who's who he's around he's not going to get double teamed often when you've got claypool and uh, deontay johnson and pat fryermuth at tight end so uh there, there should be um it should be a pretty pass friendly offense Najee harris obviously taking control uh uh you know of, of uh, that that aspect of the game to keep them balanced they just gotta whether it's mitch trubisky or uh, kenny pickett this year um whichever one does enough um could be a very interesting uh, situation there that part I feel bad for him, but in terms of scheme and in terms of who, who's uh, around him, I think it's a good fit, for, and he should he should thrive if they can get adequate or above adequate production at um, at the quarterback position. But Jason, on that, if Kenny Pickett's like Kirk Cousins, I've heard some people say that to me. Like I could see him be like a Kirk Cousins, which I could actually see that. Which that's not good for a first round pick to most yeah. people, including me. But if he's a Kirk Cousins, that's look at what Justin Jefferson and them had like. That could That's be fair. good for George if he just I'll has put a guy. Up, yeah, put up a ton of numbers. Though they won't win a Super Bowl or anything he'll like that. Bowl, but he'll put up numbers and yeah, big exactly. Yeah, and then he'll you know get a great second contract. Like you see these receivers, they're all breaking the bank now. So that's kind of what it's about. I think you all have very logical, spelled out picks, and I won't pick any of them. Uh, Jake Camarda landing with the Bucks. I know I picked the punter here, but Jake Camarda has a chance realistically out of all of these team, out of all these guys that got drafted to get a ring first and be a starter. Uh, so Jake Camarda <laughs> to me had a great fit. Get to go down there, punt the ball. You're not going to punt often. Tom Brady's your quarterback. You're going to be, you're going to see Camarda all the time because Brady's going to be prime time every game. So Camarda's going to get a ton of TV time. Ben, I know you're laughing and smiling, but it's the truth. Dad, you picked the punter. You're like, oh, I got a lot. <laughs> I mean, no, no, but I, 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 I think you brought up an interesting discussion. Which of these players is most likely to win a Super Bowl ring first? I think it's you have to go Camarda. Camarda and then James uh, Cook. Yeah, yeah, those are the two. Well, let's say they don't win this year and then Tom Brady retires. And it's like, well, well, then, yeah, it's a terrible game. situation, but everybody got to know who Camarda was. Because so. I know Justin, well, no, maybe Justin Schaefer. I know you're a big Falcons guy. Maybe the rebuild. Out of <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, John, oh, God. speaking of the, uh, John Fitzpatrick, I think last week we, I was like, he's not getting drafted. And of course, he not only did the same thing. Not only Brenton, does he. Brenton flawed about that. He, he told everybody like a million times he's going to go to the Falcons in the sixth or seventh round, and he called it on the money. So I got to uh, give him his props. Yeah. Hey, well, they was, got you one, guys Dr. were also Brent. saying Darian Kendrick wasn't going to get drafted, and I said Darian Wood, and here Wood, we are. We're at 15 yeah. players. Right, right. I thought they it was a They'd come one short. His combine was terrible. It's, um, but look, man, look, look, sometimes you turn the tape and you just see a guy and – Maybe the combine. Maybe he had like actually Darian might win a Super Bowl first year. Hold on, actually, I think he's in the best situation to win a Super Bowl at the Rams. Not start, but yeah, with the Rams, I think the Rams. Does, does, the best does Darian make the fifty-three for the Rams? No. I mean, that's no. A, no. so. I mean, well, how many picks what? did they have? Did they have like three picks? If so, they kind of have to. Yeah, they didn't have, have many. To throw them on there. They didn't have many. No, so he might, you know, by the grace. But the Rams also love undrafted free agents. Hence, Natrez Patrick. Uh, making impacts for them. So who knows what the Rams – McVay's a different beast out there. Guys, who – Well, I was, wanted to say real quick, I think last week when Dane was hosting, he mentioned how the Falcons had Lee Smith on the roster. And that's how John – or maybe it was either that or two weeks ago. Somebody mentioned John Fitzpatrick. And I just – like, John Fitzpatrick is basically Lee Smith. I, I cannot believe it has come to this. And, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> we're talking probably – six teams over nine years if that's the role that he ends up playing so he might i mean who knows i don't know but uh so he's, he's just, paul paul what did you think about the falcons draft real quick uh before what we go there 2019 2020 2021 2022 georgia had a tight end drafted 2023 oh, oh, they will have another drafted and then oh, 2024 yeah. they'll have another drafted as well so there was two drafted in 2023 
Yeah, they're going to have that streak continue for quite some time. Todd Hartley is going to be able to put that underneath his belt. What did I think about the Falcons draft, Ben? What did I think? I think it was god awful. I think it was atrocious. I think it's a poverty franchise. I think that I, I you know, I don't know what we're doing here in Atlanta with Flyer Branch. The facility's three miles away. If my back wasn't hurting and I wasn't laid up, I would have gone over there and and had a sign in front of it asking him Friday morning, "What are you doing?" Because right now the state of Georgia. You know, everybody's so happy right now. Georgia Bulldogs won, the Atlanta Braves won, and then this poverty franchise wants to go out here and, and pick a wide receiver. That, anyways, and then they go and pick Desmond. Like, what are we doing? You know, like there's so many other guys that could have you could have just made your draft board all Georgia Bulldogs. And this isn't being a homer because we cover the team. You could have made it just all Georgia Bulldogs and drafted them in certain spots, and your team would have been so much better. We we pick a we pick a, a linebacker from Montana State who happened to be a freak at the combine. Nicobe Dean's sitting right there asking what's going on. Let me come right up the road. This is an absolute poverty franchise, Ben. And I put my name into the transfer portal Thursday night. Uh, the Phil- uh, Philadelphia Eagles have contacted me and so have the Pit- Pittsburgh Steelers. Both of them have contacted me. I have friends that are uh, with the organizations. They've both contacted me asking to become a fan. So uh, I will uh, get get my name out there. Uh, Biggest shortly. NIL deal, Paul? Biggest NIL deal? Yeah, this is this is unbelievable what, what happened in, in Flyer Branch. And it's a travesty to say that I drive by that place every day. Um, but hopefully they'll get better. And uh, I had, I had, I really did of all the picks, like, and I'm not just saying this as somebody who uh, has seen Georgia up, up close for, for a lot of years and who covered the Falcons for that matter. So I really don't buy into the Falcons hate Georgia players, that whole, that whole thing. But it was the most Falcons thing to take a linebacker who played a, a, a total of what a, a season and a half at the position at Montana state or something like that. And was a running back and a quarterback before. I don't yeah. care how athletic the kid is. I don't care if he was FCS Defensive Player of the Year. You you have the FBS Butkus Award winner on a national championship team, and you chose this guy. I'm Which sorry, one? there's nothing. And you chose this guy because he's six four and has the the so called measurables. I I just you know what? Maybe in three four years I'll look like a total idiot or something. But which every I, one of the guys in the first round, every f- defensive pick. When you ask them who was the brains of the defense, they all yeah. point to Nakobe Dean. I don't know, guys. It, it just seems crazy what the Falcons it's did. Just, and- these these guys have such big egos that they go out of their way to try to be the smartest people. And the NFL is full of this. That's why that's why GMs and and front office personnel just transition and turn over year after year. That's why you have five new GMs. It feels like every year because they are not that smart and make themselves out to be smartest people in the room. They spend all this time and they can't get the basics right. You, it's just, it's an easy observation to make. Now, I'm not saying they don't know anything about football. Like, of course they do, but they just spend all, they spend way too much time trying to outsmart the next guy and yeah, being paranoid about out of it. Yeah, it's just so dumb. It's, it's like, okay, if what about Nicobe Dean on the football field tells you he can't play in the NFL? And, and there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing. And it's that, that that's why like that the Falcons taking the Montana State kid uh uh just it, it, Troy uh, Troy Anderson, Troy Anderson yeah, yeah. Uh, just just ludicrous to me that's why yeah. the bottom eight or the first eight picks I saw was like Jacksonville Detroit the Jets uh who, who I don't I think it was uh the Giants oh the Texans yeah. those were the top five and then six was Carolina's a so-so franchise and then eventually you get to uh the Falcons and I'm like those are the first teams picking. Well, they kind of are every year because I don't know how they don't hit on people ever. And if they do, they end up trading them because the guy has a whole fiasco and wants out. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that, that's what is the endless cycle. Like the Jets, they ha- like I asked someone seriously, I said the Jets, when was the last good pick period that they had? I've seen drafts where it's like they've had multiple top 10 picks and these guys are out of the league in three years. I'm like, I don't know how this happens. No other team has this happen. And I'm looking, I'm like, well, Jamal Adams is a good pick. Oh, yeah, he requests to be traded three years later. I'm like, well, this is those same franchises. And I'm like, well, at the same time, a lot of these Georgia players, for some of the fans out there, can say, well, it looks like most Georgia players went to good franchises. That, you oh, know, yeah, Green it, Bay, Philly, uh, Pittsburgh, as much as I hate them, like they, they got, you know, a lot of the top Georgia players. And Buffalo was good now. Buffalo used to be in the pile of trash, but they <laughs> found a way out of it. So, it's just yeah, it's, it's laughable. It's laughable. Uh, before we wrap up the draft coverage, guys, I mean, how long 
does it take before, you know, we start looking ahead to 2023. We saw a great article from Brent Rollins about the guys that could be drafted next year that are on Georgia's roster now, but how long does Kirby and his staff, uh, you know, just basically rub this in or not even how long does Kirby rub this in? Because we know it's going to be for a while. He's going to send this stuff out to recruits. He already, he already started doing that. Um, when does this, or does this record get broken? Because you have to now, in, instead of being 15, which Georgia will still be tied for first there, you have to get 16, which would be, I'm not good at math, 16 out of 22, or if you want to count your kicker and punter, 16 out of 24 would be 67% of your starters, if you're just going by starters, would have to be drafted. How long does this record hold, Ben? Paul, they almost – think about how close they came to breaking. If Adam Anderson, that's such a sad situation because he would have been a first-round pick because he also got – you know, that situation happened before they played Tennessee. He would have dominated because they throw the ball and had terrible alignment. Bama, they throw the ball a lot. Michigan threw the ball a lot. He would have had a lot of sacks. So he – and he was already projected a first-round pick before that. He would have been another pick. So they would have had 16. Nolan Smith would have been drafted if he declared. And Tyke Smith, if he never got hurt – uh, PFF graded him as the number eight player in college football entering this season. So he probably was going to get drafted somewhere. So they probably would have had 18 picks if the, if Nolan declared Adam never had his off-field issue and Tyke never got hurt. So they could have had more. And Adam's the sad case. The entire time this draft was on, I have to admit, there were a few times where I kept thinking of Adam Anderson saying, damn, that's, that's a sad situation. But I think it's possible that they can break this because it shows they almost – got more than this there were you know three or four scenarios that kind of prevented it i think it's unlikely that it gets broken really by anybody because of the transfer portal like i don't know that players are going to stay patient long enough Ooh, to be I like Channing like Tindall like in that. previous years because like jermaine johnson would have been a georgia guy in this draft had he hung Kate out Mays. and stayed um yeah i mean kate mays but uh, he, he was he drafted he, I mean, he yeah. was yeah, yeah he, okay. was. Um, he was was and uh yeah he, he i guess he could have i don't know that <laughs> I think those ties might have been severed. Ah. <laughs> so he might, regardless of transfer portal or not, he might have been gone. <laughs> you yeah. jokester. Uh, but hey, uh, guys, I got to run. Um, so hey, Dane, uh, we appreciate you, man. Thanks yep. for covering for me. My my uh, stupidity. I don't know if I have a frozen pizza in there or not. Hey, you went to Canada last week, right? <laughs> I'm just jealous yeah. that you had that experience. And I, I showed up. I showed here. up on time. So this is funny i guess you could say now that it's we're two and a half years into this pandemic but i go to canada have a great time show up on time come back with covid and uh show up late tonight wow yeah wow. but i'm okay i'm very very i was fortunate very very mild symptoms and i'm actually well, feeling great right now ben you better watch out if jason has covid and paul just had back surgery like something's coming for you man this comes yeah, in know, something is coming for me hey I mean, you might actually like, like get this whole narrative yeah, I'm so like curious if Paul really got back surgery. He's not showing himself. <laughs> I think he just wants to do less work. He took last week off. I think Paul's just lazy now. All <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll leave you with this, Ben, uh, because you are a Ravens fan. The Ajabo pick, fantastic. Ravens always do that, and he's going to be great there. Well, that's yeah. just – I kind of knew that was going to happen because of Harbaugh. Like, they're, they're together. I, I, I do not like brother Harbaugh, Jim – but I, I know it's like Harbaugh. What is he? What is he? Um, <laughs> an elder in the church? No, I cannot. Dude, he's such an odd guy. He's such an odd guy. Like it, it's it, if you've ever met John Harbaugh, which I know Jason has, he's uh, a very normal, nice, person. nicest human yeah. being you'll ever meet. Jim is just weird. He'll walk up to you and he'll be like, I, "I'm great with a capital G or something like that." Like that's the type of shit he will say, and you'll just sit there and you'll be like, "What?" Because I've I've been around both of them a, a couple times before, and it's night and day. I'm just like I don't know if they were raised by the same parents or not. I'm content they weren't. <laughs> hey, Dane, thank you so much, man. See you guys. All right, we're gonna bring on AP onto the uh, stream here. AP, what's going on? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing all right, man. Doing all right. Talking a little uh, Georgia draft. That's good to do that. It's good to see my boy Ben up there in the corner. Uh there's oh, Ben. He looks like he's going today, in a few days. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. What's uh what's on your mind, brother? Well, I, I had a couple of I actually had a uh I I thought think you guys are wrong with the fit. I think the best fit was actually uh made by the Falcons. I know that sounds kind of crazy to go back what? there, but so I think the Falcons two picks of the Georgia players were the best fits for them. 
And let me explain. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Stop now, it. if let me Paul, explain. No, you don't have room to talk, Paul. You said the punter. Cut on me after I finish. So, I, if it would have been Jamari, I would have been a lot more happy. But okay. the the inside uh, guards for the Falcons are absolutely pathetic. The guy in the first game, I think he got the lowest grade ever given Mayfield, to an yeah. Yeah. player. Oh, Mayfield, he yeah. literally didn't touch the guy the entire game. I never seen anything <laughs> like it. It's like he just forgot he was playing football and just thought he was out there being a turnstile or something. He was so bad. I mean, if Schaefer Schaefer has those moments too where he just forgets what he's doing or forgets his assignment or whatever it may be. But he certainly could beat that guy out. He was terrible. And <laughs> on the other side, Fitz is known for his blocking, and obviously Pitts is not. So, I mean, he's a pretty good matchup as far as making the team is what I'm getting at. Those two guys have a solid chance to make that team. If it was Sawyer, he would have absolutely uh, – and by the way, who has a better resume of blocking people in college than him that came oh, out? God. Is there anybody? Yeah. The no, guy blocked the next year's first overall pick. He blocked probably 24 in Turner's first overall pick in Dallas Turner. He blocked uh, the kid from Michigan and the other kid from Michigan, and he had the first overall pick he blocked in practice all year, not to mention the other guys on Georgia's defense, including Carter. Who's blocked more first-round players than him? And and I mean, you can count all the other SEC players he went up against in his in his years at Georgia too. Yeah, absolutely. The other guy y'all y'all missed, I think, that would have been drafted had he not been hurt, is Taki Smith. Taki oh, Smith would have been one million percent um, a draftable player. He would have been the record, I think, if he would have stayed healthy without a doubt. Well, they, they got the AP. They got, they got the record with fifteen. The record was fourteen. They got the record with fifteen. Actually, the overall record, I think, was 17 when they had a bunch of more rounds. Yeah, had, I, yeah, I, looked, yeah. I looked that up. So, like, that was 12 rounds. It was a 12-round draft. They they had 14 in the first seven. So, first in, terms of the, okay. in terms of the first seven, this is this should be the the record in the first seven. Yeah, 15. Did you guys catch the, uh, the promo at the end of the – kind of almost at the end of the draft where they just went over the 15 guys the dogs had yeah. drafted on ESPN? I mean, that was – Maybe the best advertisement for UGA in the history of national television for us. I mean, it was crazy. I, I swear, even though Reese is a Bama guy, I swear I thought he's going to shed a tear going through all those guys. I mean, it was insane what was going on with that. I don't know if you guys saw it or what y'all thought about it. Yeah, and I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was cool um, and interesting how they noted they were like, well, and then, of course, next year you got Jalen Carter. Who might be better than ever than all of them, right? When it comes to his NFL future, so it's not like this is a one-time kind of flash in the pan type year. Now they're not going. I don't think they're going to get 15 next year by by any means, but right. they're gonna they're gonna be in the mix every year, like like uh, Alabama has been for so long from here on out with the way Kirby's recruited in terms of putting in uh, you know between eight and twelve guys in the NFL per year. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of sad to hear them not mention uh, Bowers too with Carter. As well, being that Bowers is probably going to be a top ten type guy in a couple of years for sure. Yeah, yeah Bowers will. I mean, you, you've got you've got some guys. Tyron uh, Ingram Dawkins could be another mm. guy that uh, I think steps up big. And uh, the NFL really likes his type of size and speed that we haven't even seen play a real down, uh, a real meaningful down for Georgia. So there's a, there's some guys. I don't think this is. I definitely don't think this is LSU type. Uh, what was it? Twenty twenty. When Burrow and all those guys got drafted, and they had fourteen, it's and then now they're they're nothing. Georgia's going to be around; they're going to be relevant. They might not get fifteen next year, but they definitely, I think, could hit double digits again uh, and continue that trend. AP, hey, how about LSU get ten guys? Who who how many? They had ten guys draftable that were that could be drafted, and they Hold lost on, how many games last year? I mean, coaching coaching matters. <clears throat> LSU yeah. had ten guys drafted. Yes. Ten guys drafted. They had they were second. They were they had more players yeah. drafted than Alabama did. Bama had like seven. What? Cincinnati had a lot. And that Cincinnati doesn't even include nine. you know Bouyate. Uh, that guy's going to be a top five pick or however you pronounce his name. Bute the, number one. Um, Bute. BJ Ojolari. Yeah. Yeah, let's see his brother. Those guys are going to be drafted. That's it's wow. They did. Crazy. They, yeah, you're right. AP. They did have ten guys. I couldn't a even lot name. Or like day three picks are like majority. And yeah, but I mean, the, the, the reason is like Neil Farrell, Deculus. I'm trying to look. I know a lot of their linemen. My best friend went to LSU, so he's always shit talking and whatever. He said, um, 
a lot of their guys were like fifth and sixth year guys that right. started. So that's a big part of the reason why they had so many like day three picks this year. That Clark, a lot of linebacker guys. I like. I can't remember his name, but Damone Clark. Clark. Yeah, yeah that, he's good. He's a good player, and he was still available in like the sixth round. I was figuring somebody ought to take that guy somewhere. Georgia, he was, he was Georgia really Tech good. had uh, Georgia Tech had one guy drafted, Tariq Carpenter, in round seven. That's nice. Hey, how about tough. this stat? I saw this. So I was I was giving a friend of mine, uh, uh, a friend of mine on UGA Sports, a hard time. He's a he's also a Texas fan, but you know Texas had zero players drafted. <laughs> That's crazy. Money, the biggest recruiting budget. Yeah. I mean, the, the talent-rich state, and they had zero players drafted. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. The only two guys that NFL draft even graded for Texas was a kicker and a corner. We had two guys <laughs> that are graded uh, as draftable players from Texas. That's insane. So, Paul, are you going to advise Arch to go to Texas, like I, that you clearly have been advertising for weeks? Have I? No, I've I've told. Look, I've said that <laughs> if Arch comes to Georgia, that that quarterback room is going to look a lot different than what it looks like. That's what I'm saying. You have to look at. There's several different factors. You're turning my words a little bit here, Ben. <laughs> no, 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 no. You were trying to justify. You go. I understand where the fans are coming from. Where not landing Arch is, it, it can be a good thing. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't, no. You want to get the best players possible, Paul. All right. You want the competition. But a guy's going to transfer out. It's a transfer portal. Everyone's going to transfer mm. out now, Paul. That, that's, that's, right. just, that, that's just with NIL and the portal now. That's just what college football is. Speaking mm. of what I want to wrap up this segment with, AP, man, we appreciate you calling in. Appreciate you being a f- friend of the show. I don't know why you ha- you're friends with Choppy, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll Venmo you some money after the show. To, uh, to he's, a good man. <laughs> he's a good man. It was good to finally get to, uh, get to see Jason. I've never been on with him, so uh, good good to see you, brother. And, uh, yeah, man, you too. Paul, you'll still never live down the Bowers thing, brother. Just, Jesus, get out of here, Choppy. man. We'll see you later. <laughs> well, I'm giving you so much crap in two years when he's a top <laughs> Oh, like, yeah, it's going to be insane. He shouldn't have ever even been at Georgia. It's gonna and then and somehow somehow AD Mitchell ends up transferring to North Texas and it just, and it just doesn't work out. <laughs> him, um, him and Tommy Bush just form a yeah. super team. <laughs> no, but uh, what I wanted to wrap up with, guys, is we've we've touched on it all show. Um, is the NIL stuff and Dane made a really good point because I asked you guys. I said, look, Georgia had 15 guys drafted. When's the next time that's going to happen? And with Dane saying, look, it might not ever happen again with the way NIL money is the whole story. And we, I know you guys touched on wide receivers and tight ends last week. At least that was what I gave my substitute teacher, Dane Young, the uh, talking points of last week. I think you guys touched on that. And I'm sure he asked you about transfer options and with Jordan Addison now leaving Pitt, the amount of money that's being thrown at him that I've seen on Twitter uh, is insane, is absolutely unbelievable. Um, because I thought Georgia immediately when I saw Jordan Addison, I was like, man, this guy would be huge for Georgia. I mean, this is exactly what we've all kind of thought, right? They need that number one wide receiver. Looks like USC stepping in, and let's see, your NIL deal close to two million uh, for for one year at USC. I yeah. want to find the other tweet here. I'll let you guys talk about it. I want to find the other tweet though. Basically, it said that. If he takes this NIL deal, he'll make more money this year than the second round wide receivers like George Pickens do, do in the NFL next yeah. year. I think there's one solution, and the NCAA doesn't want to do it. But the one solution is you kind of abolish the NCAA, and this becomes a a minor like a, a minor league. It becomes professional football and you allow them, you allow each athletic association or you create a new governing body. Um and each athletic association signs these guys to contracts. And those contracts stipulate you can't transfer after X amount of years if you come and commit and you get a salary and this and that. And if you do leave it's breach of contract, yada yada. I mean otherwise this is this is what you signed up for. I don't know how you regulate this sort of thing um considering this has gone through the legal process to this point. Um how are you going to if they're not employees of the university, how do you restrict where they can go and what kind of money they can earn as individuals with their likeness? I, I think it's it's a legal problem. So you have to make them professionals in the long run in my in my opinion if you want to 
slow down the transfer and the transfers and, and guys switching schools year after year. I have a weird kind of view on this because when, when it comes to NIL, I have no problem with like, I think one, all the players should make as much money as they can, but I don't think people should be paid to go to certain schools because the big issue is certain schools, the Texas schools, hell, Georgia, even um, Alabama, LSU, you could think of USC and Ohio State, they could throw out big money and these small schools can't get any elite kids. Because the difference is in college basketball, I was talking to someone last night about this who's really passionate about NIL, who's actually a Clemson guy. And I said college basketball will never be a problem because the, the good teams that win in the tournament, one, the nature of the sport, 64, and also the good teams are the super experienced ones. All the elite kids in college basketball, they're five stars are one and dones. They're off to the NBA after one year. So their sport is fine. So when people play about NIL and, and college basketball, it's not going to have that big of an impact. Like Kentucky and all the top teams, they don't even win most of the time. That, that always get the top recruiting classes and pay the kids. When it comes to college football, it's a much bigger problem. And when you look at it, I think they need to pay for play can't happen because it's going to come to a point where the smaller schools have no chance. People will talk about expansion, but guess what's going to happen in expansion? There's going to be eight teams. And it's going to be the same damn eight teams that are rich, that are paying for the top recruits and eventually figure out decent coaching. Because I think there are a lot of teams, I'm not going to name them, that are going to pay big for NIL deals for players who, if they weren't allowed to do that, they would be bad anyway because they're buying their way out of their poor coaching decisions, which I don't like that. And I think there has to be some sort of way to regulate, you know, making sure because like Jason said, the reason why it's impossible to regulate is you have boosters and people not affiliated with the university who are basically paying the kids. So you can't really punish them and punish the university. You have a guy saying, hey, I'll give you 800K to go to USC. You're not even a part of the booster base even. And then the kid ends up going to USC. You can't really punish them at that point. There's, there's, no, there's no way. Like if someone worked for the university who was doing this, you could say, okay, if we found evidence that they did it, you could punish them and give them ball bands and stuff like that. But a lot of the pe people who are paying the kids aren't even associated with the university. So that's why it's, it's nearly impossible to regulate. But I wish there was some sort of way so we don't have pay for play. I think there should be the kids can get paid but not pay to go to a certain school. See, I, yeah. like, I, like, I like what Fred said. Uh, you can only make money after one year. And if you transfer, you sit out one year. I think that's where it has to come into play. In college basketball, you can transfer. If, see, if it feels like it's free agency uh, after every year. There's like 10,000 kids in the portal. And then Georgia snagged up a couple of them uh, just this past mm -hmm. weekend for their own basketball program. Um, but if you're going to allow kids to transfer immediately, then this Jordan Addison thing is going to become the norm where you get a kid who is kind of a developmental talent, winds up at Pitt for a few years, just balls out, becomes a true stud, slept, went through the cracks, if you will. And now in his final year, he's going to get FU money from just about whatever school he wants, whichever school needs a wide receiver, because a national championship, like for Georgia, God knows how many millions of dollars that national champion, how many hundreds of millions of dollars that national championship made for, for the University of Georgia with merchandise sales, with ticket renewals, with endowment. I mean, there's just so much money that came from them finally winning a national title. And if Kirby is only one wide receiver away, if he thinks he's only one wide receiver away and he doesn't, and there's no connection from him, obviously Kirby can't contact Jordan Addison and just like Lincoln Riley at USC can't contact him, but Lincoln Riley sure can call Jason, Butt, who is the head of Twitter. And he just happens to be a, I don't know why I said Twitter. That's weird with Elon Musk going on. Uh, hey, Elon, the, the, the head of signs.com and he's a huge USC booster and he, or he, or he loves USC and he calls Jason calls Jordan Addison and says, Hey man, I got two mil. I got a car for you and I got a house for you out here in LA. You want to yeah. come play? Uh, you don't have to really do school. We'll do online school. Come play football with Caleb Williams and uh, go in the first round for sure. So this is why, this is why Mark Emmert was the worst just leader of any organization ever in the history of modern business. I mean, all of this had been setting up to happen for years and years and years. And he did nothing but hope that nothing would change, that the legal process right, that everybody would just go away from it. Yeah, that the legal process would side on the NCAAs, 
uh, behalf. And then that players would, I mean, it was just so silly that eventually when this went through that just, if you follow any kind of kind of IP or, um, or likeness laws in America, this was never going to go the NCAA's way that you couldn't prevent kids from getting paid. And, um, and so just, just not, not doing it. And, and, and then obviously with, with what happened during COVID and then allowing the, the shift to allow people to transfer, it was just kind of like a domino effect. It's like, you're not going back to saying, to saying kids have to sit out a year anymore. That's just not going to happen. That's a, that, 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 that ship has sailed at this point, but by doing that and then having the NIL doors kick in, you've created a monster and they've, they did absolutely nothing to prevent the firestorm that has ensued. And, and I'm with Ben in the sense of like, I think if a kid wants to get paid and, and can get paid for his likeness, uh, I mean, look at, look at guys who you think are going to be can't miss, miss uh, NFL picks when they get to a campus and then three years later injuries and whatnot happen and they don't get drafted. You make as much money as you can. If you're able, I think it's actually a shame that, uh, these players put in all the time and the effort and the work and they don't, they're not able to maximize their market potential at the collegiate level. So one, I, I'm okay with NIL and I'm okay with that, but I, I understand the issue where it's not like a professional league free agency where you have a contract where you, you're, you're with the team for four years, no matter what, unless you're traded and then you're free to go somewhere else. You're talking year to year to year. I mean, what, there, there are guys on Georgia's basketball team that this was their third college. And yeah. I can understand as a fan who's not mm-hmm. totally invested in, in the, uh, in the, the, the uh, I don't know, the minutia of it. Like, you're like, okay, that's weird. Like, why are you going to three colleges to play basketball? That, that doesn't seem right. It seems kind of the antith- antithesis to college. So, yeah. To me, the, the, I mean, I don't know how this doesn't become a professional sport with a college twist. I, I, I don't know. College athletics in the long term to me, I don't know if they exist. It exists in the way that, that we've been used to it our entire lives. I just don't, I think the pendulum is really beginning to shift that other way where it's, it's um, whether we like it or not, um, which I personally wouldn't, wouldn't mind. Uh, you're going to have a pay for play scenario in the long term. I, I just don't see That's the only way you can regulate this sort of thing. It's just, it's just wild to me. And I think we're going to see more and more of it. Luckily the uh, transfer, I think, I think the transfer window closed today, May 1st, I think. So you can still find out, I think it's you, they have 48 hours. So you have to like put in to have your name in by today, by tonight, but within the next two days. So by May 3rd, if you don't see a name in there, they're got no chance. So, I mean, hopefully this season at least will – I mean, we might see another couple crazy names pop into the portal. But for the most part, I think we're we're done with this crazy portal season in terms of uh, college football, college basketball is still, still wide going. Georgia just got two commits uh, from the portal that way. And then another kid from the class of 2022 who we'll touch on a little bit of those guys uh, on the next show. Guys, we've been going an hour. My back's yelling at me. I'm laying down, and it's telling me to move a little bit. So – I got to get get up and get going, move these legs, stretch these legs. Appreciate you guys coming on with us. If you're not following UGASports.com on YouTube, Georgia Bulldogs football, what are you doing? Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button on this video. We're always trying to outdo uh, the other videos that are on the show, which is Rumors vs. Facts on Monday, 8-15 with uh, Blaine and the gang. And then you got uh, Coach Don and Roddy and Dane for uh, UGA Sports Live on Tuesdays at noon. So, if you can't uh, keep up with us live and you came in maybe a little late, this will be up on podcast over on uh, where you get your Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your podcast from. And then also the YouTube video will be up on UGASports.com so you can rewatch it as well. And uh, I think that's it, guys. Ben, any final thoughts uh, to wrap up the show? Well, I'm, uh, for all those years uh, being on the message board and now kind of covering it and overseeing it, uh, the negativity around the Georgia football program and all those narratives, they're, they're gone now. So I don't think you, you have to worry about them or where the program's at going forward after watching the national championship and uh, the draft. So that's my last statement there. What about you, Jay? Yeah, man. This weekend was a uh, – it's nothing I've ever seen before in terms of just uh, where this Georgia program 
um, is compared to, you know, my earliest memories as a kid growing up in Watkinsville, Georgia, right outside of Athens with all my friends were, you know, diehard Georgia fans. And so, um, it's a uh, pretty interesting, pretty wild to see, um, the transformation, uh, some, you know, 30 years <laughs> in the making. And, uh, I think this, like you said earlier, it's not like LSU uh, a couple years ago, the, you can see the train moving forward. You can see, uh, that this class was followed by a great recruiting class, followed by a great recru recruiting class and all signs point to this recruiting class being great as well. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, it's something, man. It's, uh, wasn't sure I'd ever see it in my lifetime, but here we are. Here we are indeed, guys, and I appreciate you guys jumping on with us. We will see you next Sunday uh, where we will dive into uh, the defensive side of the ball, what's coming back for Georgia, who's transferred in, who's transferred out, and what to expect on that defensive line. That's what we're going to be going over next week, guys. Thanks so much. Again, hit that thumbs up button, and uh, we will catch you next Sunday at 8 o'clock as long as Jason's on time. We'll talk to you then. See ya.